Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. How are you? It's Brig. Welcome to another podcast episode. Can I just say, I know you probably have already figured this out, but I just freaking love black women. (laughs) I do. I hung out with my weekend, my girlfriends all weekend. I had a blast celebrating a birthday of one of the queens. And I just love the way, despite everything that happens to us, the sisterhood that we have as Black women is so strong. It's fucking priceless. If you have you some good friends, enjoy the mess out of them. Celebrate one another. Enjoy one another. Spend time with one another. Nourish those relationships Because those are the relationships that get you through all of the things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So just wanted to give a shout out to my fellow queens. Thank you for an incredible weekend. So today we're going to talk about, yes, I am angry and I'm a Black woman and so what? We're going to dispel and talk about and uncover this myth of the angry Black woman. The stereotype is one of just many of stereotypes that were signed to us as Black women post-slavery era. It actually originated as the term sapphire. This was taken from the Amos and Andy radio show where two white men who presented Black men in a very belittling way depicting them as lazy and jobless, while also showing the lead character, Sapphire, the Black woman as loud, emasculating, aggressive, dominant woman with all this so-called masculine energy. This stereotypical depiction shaped what is now known as the angry Black woman persona. And it's a persona that is held for every Black woman, everyone. Do you remember how Serena Williams was criticized in her anger a couple of years back with a questionable call from a line judge and how the commentary was so different than many, and I do mean many of the outbursts that I witnessed John McEnroe, another tennis player, doing his playing years. I mean, he would literally break tennis rackets. There is not a black woman on this earth that hasn't at one time or another had the thought, I don't want to be perceived as the angry black woman. Why is this stereotype so paralyzing to us that we would rather hold our tongue, do shit that we wouldn't want to normally do, just so that we can somehow try to manage not being perceived or called out 
as the angry black woman. Author David Phillips said in his book, Understanding Jim Crow, that the term was used as a societal control mechanism that is employed to punish black women who violate the societal norms that encourages them to be passive and civil and non-threatening. I'm going to read that last part again. It was a social control mechanism that was employed to punish black women who violated the societal norms that encouraged us to be passive and non-threatening. For a system of injustice to continue, there is nothing more effective than to silence the victim of the injustice, or in this case, to label the whole of them as overly emotional, irrational, and by God, the worst, emasculating. It effectively made the suffering of Black women invisible. Now, y'all know I have lots of thoughts on this, and I will continue to share them on future episodes. But suffice it to say that the stereotype worked. It didn't help that the media also continued to provide more evidence of this erroneous stereotype in mainstream media, giving us images of the unruly, loud Black women. But the greatest impact, in my opinion, was that we internalized this narrative so much so that we governed ourselves and judged ourselves according to this stereotype. And we would do anything not to be called the angry Black women from inside and outside of our own community. For many of us, we internalize the concept so much so that our mothers, our aunties, our friends would caution our anger, our rebellion, our loudness, us becoming unladylike. It slowly became taboo to be angry. Even within our relationships with our men, if we stood up for ourselves, said something that was not the same, that we didn't agree, it was not uncommon for us to be told that we were being too much or man-like. Again, the threat of being emasculating, too much, a handful, etc. These are all terms used to keep us down, to keep us not saying and voicing ourselves. We had effectively now internalized the stereotype ourselves and we use it against ourselves, which is the worst thing we could have ever done. A Black woman nowadays, me included, will go to great lengths not to be seen as angry, even within her own home. My question is this, why do others get the right to be angry and not Black women? Why are we charged with managing how others see us as if that's even possible? As a life coach, I often coach my clients on the erroneous thought that we can manipulate what others choose to think and feel about us. Queens, That is not our job. How someone sees you is their job and it's their business. But we've been taught to spend so much time thinking about how others see us effectively minding their business. So much so that who the fuck is minding our business? Because if our minds are so much on how we think they're thinking about us, 
How much time are we spending thinking about how we're thinking about us? Who's minding our business? In her book, Eloquent Rage, Dr. Brittany Cooper says, the angry Black woman stereotype is a controlling image that shapes the way Black women are perceived in America. Dr. Cooper goes on to say that whenever someone weaponizes anger against Black women, it is designed to silence them. It is designed to discredit them and say that they don't have a good grasp on reality, that they are overreacting and they are being hypersensitive. And then whatever set of conditions they are responding to, that their reaction is oversized. Think of this. You have a system that oppresses Black women and a counter-narrative that creates a stereotype of being overreacting and irrational, all working together. What you get is a group of American society that is suffering in silence, unseen. No one is listening and no one is taking notice. The cycle of oppression continues. And this is usually where I usually meet my clients. They're tired, they're worn out, and they're silently angry. A lot of times it shows up as anxiety. Sometimes it shows up as confusion of purpose. Many of my clients avoid anger. They shun it. Like most negative emotions, we were never taught how to feel our emotions. They are not to be expressed and they are never to be processed. Let me just be very clear. We have every right to our anger. Like everyone else, we fucking get to be angry, period. Anger is made out to be this thing that if we allow to experience, we will lose complete control, all sense of civil discord, and berate others. But this simply isn't the case. We can feel our anger in any other emotion and not react to it. We are not at the effect of our emotions. Our emotions are to be experienced. There is a huge difference in processing and allowing an emotion, which is what I teach my clients to do, and reacting to an emotion. Experiencing our anger is just as necessary as us experiencing and allowing for our joy. Listen, I believe good things happen when Black women get angry. Can you say hello, Stacey Abrams? So culturally, we've been taught that anger is this bad thing and we will be perceived as wrong if we express this anger. So what are we to do, Brig? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I just want to keep it simple today. This topic is so vast. I will be talking about it in other episodes. But today, if you're one of the ones who has not allowed yourself to feel your anger or any other negative emotion, I just want to start by you allowing yourself to process and feel your anger. That's it. I just want you to give yourself permission to be fucking angry. Now, for some of you, this may not be your issue. (laughs) Maybe for some of you, it's the opposite. I'll talk about that in another podcast. But for many of you, I want you to learn to sit 
to feel, to give voice to your anger, to no longer shun it, to no longer think of yourself as a bad person or not the good girl. If you feel your anger. I remember one time after finding out that one of my boyfriends was once again cheating on me and all of the revelations of all the lies of finding that out and like uncovering all the untruths of it came out. And I remember I was sitting there and I remember my bestie, you know, we always have that good girlfriend, right? What I talked about at the beginning of the episode, she looked at me and she said, I just want to know when you're going to get angry, queen. I was taken aback because back then I thought it was never appropriate to be angry. I thought anger was this irrational emotion that I should not feel, that something was literally wrong with me if I allowed myself to get angry. Like, let's just say I think differently about it now. Today, I coach my clients. And when we're talking about interactions and things, I give them permission to own their anger. Just the other day, I had a client and she was talking about an interaction with one of her bosses. And she interpreted one of those underhanded digs that we sometimes get, those little microaggressions. And, you know, she was describing it. And when she was relaying the event, the first thing out of her mouth was, I like quickly changed the thought so that I wouldn't get angry because I didn't want to be angry. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Why not? Queens, let me repeat. We get to be angry. And if we see it as a normal emotion to feel just like any other, and we remove the story, the stereotype, and all that comes along with it, maybe we will see that it doesn't make us do anything. Anger itself is just an emotion. Our emotions are made to be felt, not fixed, and definitely not stifled. But if we have a story that when we get angry, when we become this terrible person saying terrible things and emasculating many men, then of course we won't own our anger. Guys, Even the Bible says be angry and not sin. It doesn't say never get angry. That's the way we treat this common emotion because of the stereotype. What if we allowed ourselves to be angry? It's the holding of the emotion in that does the damage that causes the unplanned eruptions, the erroneous association Behavior associated with anger is actually because we hold it in, not because we process it. What if instead of internalize it, you gave your anger, your pain, a voice in the best way possible? That you cared less about what others heard about you, what they thought about you, and that you cared less about if others even heard you and that you cared more about you hearing yourself. What if we learn to process our anger? What other emotions would we then allow ourselves to experience as well? I think it would open ourselves to up to so much goodness when we allow ourselves to feel our anger, sit in it, learn from it, gain all the knowledge from it, and then use that anger for our good. Again, can you say, thank you, Stacey Abrams, right? 
When we start owning how we feel, we give ourselves permission to feel our anger. Then this opens up the doorway to other emotions that we can feel as well. When we say things as, I ain't got time for that. I got to keep it moving. I got to keep my head down and get to work. It is my belief that these unfair mental constructs, these limiting mentalities, these thoughts are the reason why Black women suffer a disproportionately higher amount of chronic illness, diseases, and mental illness. The body does keep score. And this energy, this vibration of anger, of the negative emotions that we stifle, those emotions have to go somewhere. Isn't it time that we take back our human right to feel anger, to feel our emotions, to be outraged, and to then use these in a way that serves us as opposed to internalizing them and keeping ourselves in this box and unseen. My vote is for feeling our anger. So what does that look like? This feeling and processing of our emotions. Let me explain and tell you what I do. There's no right or wrong way to this. I just want to give you a peek into what I do for myself and how I teach my clients to do this. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. For me, when I go in and I want to feel my anger or any other emotion, I start by getting into a place where I won't be disturbed. I get comfortable. You can be a chair. You can sit up in a bed. You can sit in your favorite meditation position. Just get comfortable. Settle in. If it's an emotion that I don't like experience or I'm afraid that if I feel it, I won't come out, then I take a timer with me and I set a timer for a time say five minutes. And I give myself, I'm going to feel this shame. I'm going to feel this embarrassment. I'm going to feel this sadness. I'm going to feel this anger for five minutes. I also take a pen and paper with me because so much goodness can come afterwards. And I want that pen and paper right there next to me. So once you're ready, set the timer. If five minutes seems like too long, like if this anger or this emotion is too strong and five minutes seems like, no, I can't even do that. Find a, a time frame that works for you. It can be 30 seconds. Doesn't matter. The process is just to start. I'm going to experience this emotion for five minutes, for 30 seconds, for one minute, whatever the time is. When you set your timer, close your eyes, settle into your body and direct your focus to your body. You're just simply paying attention to your body. It's one of the most loving things you can do when you just sit and pay attention to your body, how it's feeling. Allow the emotion. Sit there and feel that emotion again. But this time you concentrate to your body, where it is in your body. You concentrate on that area. What are you feeling? For me, if it's anger, it's like a tightness in my stomach. So I would go to my tightness in my stomach and I would concentrate on that. I would describe it to myself. I feel it. And I tell myself, this is anger. I can feel this emotion. It is okay. I call it out. You feel it in your body. I remind myself if I'm hesitant that there's a timer that is set. You get to stop soon as the timer goes off. But for right now, queen, We're going to give this anger a voice. We're going to feel 
this vibration. This is the best, most loving thing you can do for yourself. And as much as possible, I describe this feeling to myself. Does it have a color? Is it hard, soft? Is it gel-like? Is it in the shape? What are the limits of it? I just notice all the things I can about it. I'm just giving it a voice. I'm giving it tension. I'm allowing it to flow. I'm feeling it. I'm not stifling in it. I'm not saying I don't have time for this. I'm giving it time. This emotion, this vibration is normal and I'm allowing for it. If I feel like crying, I cry. If I feel like swaying, I swing. If I feel like shaking my feet, I shake my feet. There's no right or wrong way here. It's just you being kind to your body for once, allowing the emotion, allowing for the movement, the vibration, the flow, sitting with it and giving it a voice. And if you feel led to inquiry, if you feel led to ask it some questions, then do that. One of the biggest questions I ask myself is, what does this anger want me to know? What is it trying to tell me? Why am I angry? What is this anger about? And nine times out of 10, it really isn't about the thing that I think it is. It's about something else. And it's usually about me, a constraint that I'm telling myself. This is when the pen and paper is handy because as soon as the timer goes off or when you've done, you get to take this time and use those thoughts that you came up with and write them down. This is what I call the gold. It's like your eureka moment. Because if you're honest with yourself, you will have there a list of limiting beliefs that you've been practicing by that you were not even aware that you were practicing by, that they were limiting your beliefs, how you felt, how you showed up in the world. And now you get to look at them, examine them and see, do I want to continue to believe these or do I not? I love it after I teach my clients how to do this and they do this on their own and they bring these thoughts to my sessions. It's like a treasure trove of beliefs that they now get to re-examine and choose. Instead of having the thoughts that are like given to us from society as it's not good to be angry or you don't want to be perceived as an angry black woman, we get the greatest benefit because now we get to do this work and look at the thoughts and decide. Not because my, uh, my mama told me, not because my auntie told me, not because my boyfriend or society has told me or the world has told me, but I'm choosing these beliefs because I want to, as opposed to just accepting them as fact. The greatest benefit of doing this work is we get to learn to allow ourselves to be human beings, feeling our emotions. The greatest benefit of this is if There isn't an emotion that we are unwilling to experience, then there is literally nothing that we won't be able to do. Let me say it again. If there isn't an emotion that we are no longer willing to experience, then there is literally nothing we as Black women are no longer able to do. There's nothing we can't do. Think about it. The main reason that we don't do the shit that we know we should, that we want to, that we want to create, that we want to get outside the box, that we want to get outside of our comfort zone. The reason why we don't, we're afraid to, is because we don't want to experience a negative emotion. That's it. 
We don't want to experience feeling like a failure. We don't want to experience humiliation, embarrassment, shame, inadequacy, anger, all of them. But when we give ourselves permission to feel them on purpose, then we are no longer afraid of feeling them as a result of action that we take when we get out of our comfort zone. Because we have taught ourselves that you just can feel that emotion and nothing happens. The vibration goes through your body, you feel it, and all is well. You didn't die. So when you normalize the feeling of negative emotion, when we experience those emotions on our journey to creating the life that we want, we don't make anything wrong about experiencing those emotions. That doesn't mean quit. It doesn't mean stop. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean they're right and I'm wrong. It just means, oh, I have some feelings I get to process. Yes, they're going to feel yucky. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. And yes, I will live. I will get up and I will continue on. There's so much value when we go towards our emotions and experiencing them. There's so much value when we as Black women honor our fucking anger. We have every right to it. When we no longer care more about what others think about us and we think more about what we think about us in our anger and we give our anger a voice. There's so much goodness in this. There's so much resistance to this. It is so common for us to be saying, I don't want to be perceived as an angry Black woman. I'm saying, what if you were willing to be perceived as angry? And that was okay. Because those that perceived you as that, that was their business and none of yours. And you got to mind your business and did what Stacey Abrams did. Take that anger and use it for not only your benefit, but for the benefit of the fucking world. Good things happen when Black women own their anger. I'll see you guys next time when we'll talk about the perception and how to deal with that perception of the angry Black women from the perception of others. Okay, till next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to take thought work even deeper with me as your guide, opportunities to work with me one-on-one are available. Go to brigjohnson.com to schedule your own personal breakthrough call. In 30 minutes, we'll see if working together is a great fit. brigjohnson.com, B-R-I-G-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. See you next time. Thank you.